You're listening to Habs Culture, a Montreal Canadiens podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Habs Culture and on Twitter at Habs underscore culture to stay on track with news and updates. Eight past regulation losses for the Montreal Canadiens this season. My name is Mark Anthony Bertaggia. I'm alongside Justin Shorts. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the Habs Culture Podcast. The Montreal Canadiens currently sit fourth in the North Division with 34 points, four points behind the third place Winnipeg Jets. The Maple Leafs and the Oilers are tied for first place with 40 points, while the Toronto Maple Leafs had three games in hand. The Montreal Canadiens took three out of four points against Winnipeg in a two-game stint away from home. They lost 4-3 to three in overtime after a comeback in the third period and won on Monday night 4-2 to two with a very strong performance. How would you feel about those games? I thought, for the most part, they were very strong. However, I think it's something to build on that falls back on our last episode that touches on finding consistency. And I think, as of late, the Habs have not been able to get anything going on a consistent basis. And as a team going forward, especially as we're inching closer to the playoffs, especially the deadline, I don't think we're a team that goes into a game that's confident. And I don't think teams are necessarily scared of what the Habs are going to bring to the table that night because they're so inconsistent. And because we don't know if we're going to get a full 60 minutes or barely a period of hockey. No, no, I completely agree. Consistency is huge for this team, and I think that's the reason for their downfall, which happened a few weeks back. And as a fan, it's tough to watch because you don't know how they're going to play during the game or during the full 60 minutes, like you said. And now looking at these division standings, it's getting so tight, and it's concerning that now they lost eight in overtime and shootout that, look, they're four points behind third place, even though the Jets played last night. They lost to the Oilers. It's close, but at the same time, it's not. Because there's a lot of there's still ground to make up because I would like the Canadians to be in a comfy position come the end of the season, like second place, third place, like comfortably, because the last five games are against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And if you go into those five games needing to win four... It's tough. It's not easy. It's not ideal either. (laughs) Because I'm sure Toronto would love to knock us out. Oh. Right? And in that scenario, right, if you're fighting for the fourth place spot against Toronto in those last five games, that probably means you're playing Toronto in the first round if you win. And we talked about this last episode that we wouldn't love to see that either. No, obviously not. It's not ideal. But... Look, I still think the Oilers are in second place with 40 points, but they have 33 games played. The Habs have 29. Okay, so four games in hand. And now they play the Oilers after this back-to-back against Vancouver tonight and Saturday night. Mm -hmm. They play the Oilers three times in a row. In my opinion, this is the most important home stretch of the season, right? They play Vancouver tonight, Saturday night. Then they play the Oilers three times, and then Ottawa. Then it ends and they go back to Ottawa. Like in Ottawa. Mm-hmm. So these games are so important because they could really change the standings. Oh, beyond change the standings. Like like a lot. Like 
any team at the end of this stretch, I think the standings are going to be completely different, right? You're looking at a team. Where do the Habs sit right now in the standings? They sit fourth. They sit fourth. This can be the difference between the Habs at the end of this stretch being in second or, you know, sitting on the brink of making or of being in a playoff spot. If they get the four points against Vancouver, Vancouver has 33 games played, games played, with 32 points sitting fifth. And the Habs have 29 games played. So if they steal two games, well, not steal. If they get four points from Vancouver, I don't see Vancouver even fighting. I guess it'd be tough for them mm-hmm. because they have they also have Calgary right up against them, right? So if they lose another two games, that means they're 35 games. Stuck at 32 points. It's not looking good for it's Vancouver. It's not looking good. But that'd be amazing for the Habs. Look, I'm not saying they're going to win both games. But at one point, you got to go into there, go into these two games thinking we're going to win both games. And that's it, right? And I think a lot of people, and especially us as fans who watch night in, night out, are looking at these games and are like, you know, the Habs can go into Friday night and completely wipe out Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And then the next night, Vancouver can, can, can completely wipe us out. Yeah. The problem is, and like I mentioned before, is the consistency. To be a good hockey team, you have to show up every night. And that's not what the Habs are doing right now. And that is what's scary going forward. Yeah, it is. And I hope, I'm sure, I'm sure of it, Dom Ducharme is implementing strategies to change that this morning at morning skate in brossard we saw first of all we saw sean burke on the ice with jake allen and carry price and jake allen gets the start by the way tonight against vancouver yeah and we also saw gallagher dano and thomas tatar back together do you like that personally no I thought that the line combinations going into Wednesday night's game against Winnipeg were the perfect combination. Look, Ducharme has had his fair share of messing around with what we have, and we've seen some of it work out, some of it not as much. But I really like the Anderson, Anderson, Kakanyemi, and Drouin. That's worked very well. And I think and they're keeping that, correct? They are, yeah. And then now we're looking at Suzuki, Armia, Tafoli. This pretty much switched Kotkaniemi and Suzuki from when Ducharme first came in. Mm-hmm. But but that's it. Yeah, and they didn't change anything on defense for tonight. No Mete. No Mete. Wallet in once again. Wallet in once again, which Which is interesting because honestly, he's had one good game, one bad game. Yeah, but the thing is... No, I, I, I personally like to see Mete. Yeah. But I'm just pointing it out. Well, let, like, I watch him. Like, he's just... He's an AHL defenseman. He is an AHL right? defenseman. Like, and he's even, older. Yeah, I don't he's even think guy. he's a seventh defenseman. I just... Like, he's a top four, top two AHL defenseman who's... Give him the C in Laval. He's the guy who's in a state. He's, he's the guy that's gonna mentor the younger kids that are developing, right? Yeah. And I don't know if it was... I guess because it's a different environment. Look, you're going up against Kyle Connor and Ehlers, right? Can't do that. You can't do that. But so. just to touch back on the Dano line, mm-hmm. we, we talked about this before, but at the end of the game, they were 
creating a decent amount of chances, a decent amount of offense. But it's I personally I don't think it's a line that I'd like to see for sixty minutes throughout a whole entire game. It has to be sixty minutes. Well, no. What I'm saying is that I don't like that line. I don't. Oh, I don't. Okay. Like I, I think it's mean. a situational line. It's a line that you put back together if you're really struggling to produce anything at all. Yeah. But I really liked when Gallagher was next to Suzuki, uh, Suzuki and and uh, Toffoli. Toffoli. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I really like that also. Like, I think that's a line that complements each other nicely. No, for sure. I really liked it also. But look, we'll, we'll see how it plays out tonight. I just think that line has had past success over the years. But we've seen it break apart. And mm-hmm. in my opinion, mainly due to Dano's play over this season. Across the season. Well, Dano was playing his best hockey when he was slotted in the third line position. Third line center position. Mm-hmm. And now he's not. Because he was skating with the... Their line was first this yeah. morning. Look. We'll I think it's something that we'll have to judge at the end of this road trip. Well, now they're at home. Oh, they're home yeah. now. Okay. So, look. We have two games back-to-back Friday, Saturday. And then get back to it on Monday. Yeah. And then it's a Monday, Wednesday, Friday. It's jam-packed. But I think... I think Ducharme is going to have to make the necessary changes as it goes, but he's going to have to find the right combinations at one point. Right? 100%. And he's not afraid to change it within periods yeah, or mid-game. in the game. No. Yeah. Look, la- last game, putting that line back together, <laughs> together actually worked. It did because Dano was playing a different level of hockey than he was at the start of the season. I'm much more confident. And Gallagher had an amazing Dano. game. Right. I'm so happy he scored that goal because he really deserved it. You could tell how excited he was. Mm-hmm. No fans, wanna, no nothing, but he was passionate about that one. But now I want to shift a bit our attention to our social media because we've had some comments on either Instagram or Twitter from from people who just had either questions or statements to make about certain players. And we got one from John Dankner on Instagram. He wants to see Kale Fleury with the team. And this morning... We saw the news that instead of Kale Fleury, Gustav Olofsson was put on the taxi squad for the Montreal Canadiens. And Kale Fleury stays in Laval. Would, I know, would you like to see Kale Fleury instead of Gustav Olofsson? Absolutely. I think, I think everyone would, right? I don't really know much about Gustav Olofsson. He's a 26-year-old. We traded for him back when he was in Minnesota. He had a pretty bad injury. He's kind of worked back and got his game together in Laval. But honestly, Kale Fleury, from what I've seen and from what I've heard, has developed really nicely in Laval. And I think he's a big body who can skate and has a serious effect on, on games. He, he does make a difference. Yeah. Before the Sherrod injury, I was a bit hesitant to bring up Kale Fleury because I was like, look, you have Romanov and Fleury both in, in in your lineup. I don't know. It's a bit young, from in my opinion, especially that Luke Richardson likes his his veteran defenseman. But now that Sherratt's out, I think, I think it would be nice to see him, see what he can do. But on another note, Noah Juleson, how good would he have been right now? It's but obviously at the moment, in the moment that he was put through waivers. He had to be put through waivers mm-hmm. because of the taxi squad and because of the certain amount of players. And we kept Mete instead of Juleson. And it sucks because in regular 
in a regular season, Noah Jolson wouldn't be put through waivers. He's on a two-way contract, is he? I believe so. I'll double-check, but... But also, I think he's an interesting case that's somewhat similar to Gustav uh, Gustav Olsen because he also suffered a pretty bad injury. Yeah. Which was a major setback for his development as well. Yeah, that's true also. But But honestly... Before his injury, when he was playing with the Habs on a consistent basis, he looked pretty good. Solid. Nothing to complain about. He's not an offensive guy. No, no, he's not. But he's a obviously, big the Sherrod injury has opened the doors to speculation where you see the holes on his defense. Mm-hmm. Right? And look, the trade deadline is somewhat close by because of the two-week quarantine. We have to take that into account. That... GMs in Canada have to make their moves earlier than the ones in the United States. And now I think Bergevin, he said in his in his press conference that like he kind of told fans and told the media that like he's not going to be extremely aggressive. He was downplaying a lot of the speculation about trading for for big pieces. I think he was lying in you, my opinion. You, can rarely trust what he says he has a good poker face oh well we've seen it many times he said pk suban was never leaving the habs and then the next one of the biggest trades ever because there's no way that this guy looks at his defense and says he's comfortable with it going into the playoffs i don't believe that i don't believe that either and i think we have a good base but there's missing pieces and it sucks because there's a lot of teams that are missing that one defenseman. Mm-hmm. Winnipeg. Could you imagine if Winnipeg added a top four defenseman? Look, they're built right now with Pionk, Morrissey, and then it becomes slim. Yeah, but Morrissey's been playing meh lately. I can't... Yeah. I can't... I don't really know how mm-hmm. he's played. I don't watch him specifically. But what I'm saying is that he's still a top four defenseman with a lot of potential and he's not moving from that spot but their their management is not really giving them any you know competition because there's no one else to fill those spots yeah there's no internal competition they need that that next guy that Bolier got injured Bolier got injured they had to call up Logan Stanley 68 mm-hmm. beast like it's a monster <laughs> and it's weird cuz he could move well did you like, see when Tatar well. went into the corner with him <laughs> and he was at his hip like his head was at his hip. Well, he also made Jake Evans oh, eat yeah, the that, boards. Yeah, that was which was a bit suspect of the hip, but whatever. He's also six eight, so not surprised. <laughs> anything he does is going to be suspect. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. So now we're talking about defense, and we'll go a bit into the trade market a bit later. But Shea Weber, the captain of the Montreal Canadiens, the guy who's been fairly consistent over the past few years like we all we all knew that he was going to slow down in his pace but for him to slow down mentally like on the like decision making wise is something i did not expect because his decision making has been horrible i never thought i'd say this but i think shea weber has lost confidence in his play he has for sure and honestly what's crazy and i wonder what people think of my comments because you know, I usually bring up the confidence thing. And, mm-hmm. I, and I really do think it's important. And I don't think it's the only thing to note. But Shea Weber has always been such a confident player. Whether it's in the corner, whether it's at the blue line, whether it's taking a slap shot, whether it's making a hit. 
But now everything he does, it looks like... He's getting pushed around. He's Not only is he getting pushed around, but I feel like when he goes to make a, make a hit, he's hesitant. Mm-hmm. When he takes a shot, he's hesitant. And that's not the Shea Weber we know. Do you see him join the rush? Oh, God. Like, stay back, Shea. But he also fumbles the puck so much. When the puck's on his stick, he's, like, shaking. I forget what game it was in Winnipeg where... Toffoli had the puck up the wing, and there were four of them, four Montreal Canadiens. I think this was last game. Yeah, they were entering the the Mm -hmm. zone, Mm -hmm. and he passed it to Weber across the edge. Yeah, I remember that. And he just fumbled it into the corner, corner, yeah. Completely ruined all the momentum of that shift. And it's sad because, look, a lot of people say, oh, but he's old, guys. He's He's getting up there in age. Which he is. Which he is, which is a fair argument. But Chara slowed down, Mm -hmm. but he still... Making he's still in this league because he makes smart decisions yeah. and he's reliable. I mean, we talked about it last episode, but that pass that Shea Weber made up the seam, sorry, right up the middle to Kotkaniemi, that was horrible. And you don't expect that guy from you don't expect that from a guy like Weber at all. I expect That's it from the last guy. Well, you, yeah, you expect it from any young. De- well, he's an older guy, but you expect it from a younger defenseman who is vulnerable to mistakes. You don't expect it from a guy like Weber who's played ten plus seasons in the league and. His decision-making has been proven to be one of the best by a defenseman over the past 10 years. Yeah, before the season, we would look at this roster on paper and we'd say, okay, so Shea Weber's on the first pairing, Jeff Peters on the second pairing. You have a top four that's solid, mm-hmm. and now we can rely on. And now not even Now really. it's just Jeff Petrie. It's just, it's just whichever... Whoever's unit, playing with Jeff Petrie. Yeah, whoever's playing with Petrie is on a good unit. Right. Look, Petrie's unbelievable. And I think he's... Every year he's progressed so well. It's like, when's this guy going to get... When is guy going to regress a little bit? Because he continues to put up numbers. But look, like you just said, it would have been so, or it would be so nice to have that, those two defensive pairings that you can really trust. And when mm-hmm. Shea Weber's on the ice now, I don't know if I trust it. That's the problem. I don't feel comfortable. I don't know if Carey feels comfortable. Right? I wonder. Because just the decision making is so, like, it's just so unlike him. Yeah. Simple breakout passes. Simple simple zone entries or zone exits. Do you know how many years are left on his contract by any chance? I'm, like gonna, I'm gonna check now, I'm gonna take a wild guess and say four or five. Okay. Cause that's that's a little problematic. It's a little problematic. And like we talked about, there are so many young defensemen that are coming up in this in this program. Josh Brooke, Jordan Harris, um, well, we talk. Well, there's Gustav Olafsson, who's you know a little bit up there in age, but then, but then you add Kale Fleury to the mix. What's what's Weber's future with this team? I, Look, he's a leader. He's a leader now, but his play is not reflecting that. Unfortunately, there's no way he gets, in at least in the next few years, he gets bought out. I just don't see it. Neither do I. Is Shea Weber. There's there's, su- there's some mutual it. respect. There's some mutual respect there, right? That's 100. Like you have to treat those guys with some sort of level of respect. Yeah. So five years. Okay. Five years left of Shea Weber. I think he can still turn it around. There's just. But it, it's so. But Mark, it's so weird because. I can see him turning it around this season, but, for future purposes, I don't know where we sit. Yeah, but that's obvious considering his age, right? Yeah. And how but much like, is he making a year? Well, right now he's it's cuz it it changes his salary changes every year. Yeah, cuz it it gets backloaded or yeah, front-loaded, whatever. Yeah. But it may he be. average he makes 7.8. Okay. That's his AAV. 
it'll be interesting though. But this season, I don't know whether it will take to turn him around. But something has to give with him. He signed that contract when he was 27. Wow. And he's 36 now? He's 35. Wow. Yeah. So. Whatever. But he deserved the contract at the time. 100%. He was, he was a top five defenseman in the 100%. league. 100%. At yeah. the time. So. 100%. Just like P.K. Subban deserved that contract. Yeah, right? exactly. And now look where we're at. Now Whatever. We're at. NHL contracts have, whether it's goalies, defensemen, even some specific forwards, <clears throat> Jeff Skinner. But look. That's going to happen, and some will pan out better than others. Well, look, yeah, Shea Weber's at an age where it's respectable. Jeff Skinner isn't. Jeff Skinner should be putting up more points than he is. But whatever. We'll shift our attention to, I know on Twitter, Twitter we received a message from... Uh, it was from music. Patrick André Caron. And it was an answer to our question of the day, which is which player out of these three, so Joel Armia, Jonathan Drouin, Jesperi Kalkinemi have flourished under Ducharme's system. And we both really liked his answer. So he came back at us with, number one, Joel Armia for his engagement. Number two, Joe Drouin for his leadership. And three, Kakanyemi for his emergence and showing that he can be either a 1C or a 2C. Love that answer. It's a great answer. Yeah. It's an amazing answer because it shows each player... Individually. Yeah. In a different way, right? Because... Even though, you know, my answer was Kotkaniemi, I saw a few that were maybe Jonathan Joyne, mm-hmm. but mostly Kotkaniemi answers. I think it's still important to note that Armia has, you know, he's stepped up his game since the, the coaching change. Imagine if he was consistent on a regular basis. He has 10 points this season, and four of which came in one game. Like, it, it's sad because he does many things well, but he's like a magic act. Just disappears when he wants yep. to. It's sad because, look, and Ducharme said it. I didn't really like that comment where we know we can find, we have to find his potential. He's 27 years old. Yeah. I think we know his role. And in the he's National never Hockey really been that guy, right? No. Ever. But he's still a good roster player that can make a difference when he's on his game. Mm-hmm. That's why I think. But not in the ways that a guy like Joe Jr. and Kakinemi do. No, no, right? not at all. It, not it's, at all. it's more of the. And we've talked about this a lot on this on this podcast, but he gets into the corners, and he is probably one of the better guys in the league at retrieving that puck. Mm. And it's important. It really is important because there's not many guys that can do that very well. But when he's not on his game, I'm sorry, but he's completely irrelevant. No, no, he is. He is. Because it's like, it's like a younger Corey Perry who doesn't have that net front presence. Or that goal-scoring power, right? So Yeah. He has good hands. He's good in the yeah, corners. He does. He's so, good hands. But if he's not on his game, right? He's not moving his legs. He's not moving his legs. It's that simple. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So tonight against Vancouver, Jake Allen starts. Did Vancouver announce their starting goalie? Thatcher Demko. Thatcher Demko starts. Thatcher Demko once again. Thatcher Demko is arguably the hottest goalie in the, the National Hockey right League right now. Yep. Right? And to note, on one of the hottest teams in the North Division right now. They have been playing some great hockey, highlighted by his play. Elias Pettersson's still out, right? Still out. He missed their whole road trip. And guys like Bo Horvat, Brock Besser, coming up big. They got to get on them early. Well, get, that's get it. They went past Thatcher. But look, right? Here's We talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but this is where this comes into play for me. A team like them, who have been hot and have proved to be, be consistent as of late, the Habs need to 
show that mm-hmm. consistency. They need to show that when they're a hot team, they're scary. But like we they haven't. Were, yeah. But we haven't. No. No, no, I completely agree. I completely agree with you. And got to take away their momentum early, like you just said, though, for sure. Get a quick get one, one past, past Demko. Demko. Because Demko has been unbelievable. And everyone knows how goalies are at the Bell Center. They become a different breed. When, when it's either a rookie goalie, a goalie who's been out of the lineup for a while, like Mike Smith was, and then he came and shut out the Canadians. There's just goalies that play differently at the Bell Center. And unless you get on them quick and score a quick one to change their confidence, then I think the Habs will be good. They should have to play a full 60 minutes of hockey. Over, Sorry, I just wanted to highlight this quickly. Over the last... Over Thatcher Demko's last five games, just to read out his save percentages, 9.38.9.57.9.71.8.89.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.9.
I don't want to take my chances in the big leagues. Look, there's there's three options for at least the near future of of Ryan Paling. He either stays with Joel Bouchard, which has done a great job with Kotkaniemi, a great job with Jake Evans, like an amazing job. So he stays there, which I wouldn't mind. Second option is he gets called up, plays in the wing, in and out of the lineup on the taxi squad, gets to train with the team. Or the third option is, it doesn't have to be now, but in the near future, if the Habs realize this is a guy that we can use to assess another need, mm-hmm. right? You mean by trade? Right? I yeah. don't know. No, I don't disagree. I think he. I think he's a valuable asset. Still. I'm not saying now because look, he, he. I would love to see him as a Canadian. I'm not saying trade Ryan Paling, but I'm just saying there's needs that are there's holes on this team that need to be filled. And out of all the guys in the prospect pool of Laval and of all the the junior teams the Canadian the players play for and NCAA, he's the one guy that I would say okay, he can move. Just because of the center depth the Canadians have, right? You're not moving Jordan Harris. He's a defenseman. You're not moving Jan Mishak. Because I think he's going to be a very good bottom six forward. You think bottom six? Who knows in five years' time. Mm -hmm. But Ryan Palin is that guy where he has that potential. But is it something that's going to be used properly in the National Hockey League? Unless he shifts to the wing, Mm -hmm. right? And it, but it's also worth noting that, you know, last season as a Laval Rocket, Ryan Paling posted 13 points in 36 games. Okay, whatever. Really, he's taking that jump though. He fair. And then this season he has 10 and 13. So who knows where he'll be next season? But I don't. But look, I think we can both agree that it would be interesting to see him on the on the wing. And then we'll work from there. Yeah. I- but it's not my decision. <laughs> yeah, it's not It's not our decision. We'll see what happens depending on the games. Look, if they start winning all these games, I don't think there are going to be changes in the lineup. No, there's simple. no need to. There's no need to. But, yeah. And I think this is what leads us to, because we talked a lot about holes in the lineup and changes that we'd like to see with this team. And now we're approaching the trade deadline somewhat, right? Yeah, I think we're like about two weeks out. Is it two weeks already? It was about a month a week ago. Oh, okay. So I'm two, two and a half weeks, yeah. I'd say. So, so now there's the two-week quarantine for Canadian teams. So Canadian general managers are going to have to act quickly if they really want a guy because he's going to have to sit for two weeks, unlike general managers in the U.S. Sorry, I'm right? wrong. It's April 12th. So we're looking oh. at a little less than a month now. Okay, okay. So yeah, so the two weeks isn't... Well, it makes sense to start trading now so i know there's all this speculation and we spoke about bergevin kind of downplaying what he's gonna do but there's t i'm looking at tsn's trade bait board and obviously number one is matthias at home and there's probably what five ten teams that would love to have matthias at home oh for sure because i think he slots as a top four anywhere and three of them three of those teams are in the Canadian division. Mm, interesting. So you have Toronto. I'm assuming Winnipeg is one of them. Winnipeg and Montreal. And Montreal. Right? So there's so much, There's a lot of competition between teams to acquire this guy because he'll make a difference on all those teams. And there's, there's U.S. teams that want him also. So now it's up to Mark Bergevin. Is he going to 
go for because he's on such a good contract. He makes three point seven five for this year and, the and year next after. year. Yeah. So you can even have you can him even for next you know year. tinker with maybe resigning him in two years from now. Who knows? Yeah. Look, the price again. We don't know what's going to be. We don't know what it's going to be. The price. It's definitely a first round pick and a prospect. I don't know what that prospect would be. I wouldn't like to see a big name prospect go from a TSI home, right? No, but I think this comes into play. Like, what do you think about paling in a trade for Ekholm? Like, that's what is it too early? Is it is, too early, or or is it the right time? Is it the right time? Is Ekholm the guy that you would trade paling for? Right? I don't know. I really don't. I'd know. like to see a roster player move, like Lekkinen, like Byron. Mm-hmm. First of all, Get it has to it, it has to happen for salary cap reasons, right? Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't trade a, a Habs prospect for him right away, especially guys like Caden Gooley. I wouldn't move a guy like that. Um, but I'm looking at the list also of other names that Mark Bergevin can acquire because Mark Bergevin loves to get guys that no one's talking about. And there's, look, Buffalo has a few defensemen on this list. They have Colin Miller. Interesting. And they have Brandon Montour. Okay. Colin Miller makes 3.8 million and Brandon Montour makes 3.85. However, I think he's on Oh no, I think he becomes UFA. I don't mind both of those guys, but I rather pay the price for Ekholm if I'm being completely honest with you. Sorry, what did you say? I just said I rather pay the price for Ekholm than go after a guy like Montour or Actually yeah, yeah, I, sure. I I actually like Montour a decent amount, but I think Ekholm is a guy that you put in your top four and you can trust in PK, power play. He has an offensive side to his game. And if you give him the necessary minutes, he'll flourish, especially after playing behind Yossi and Ryan Ellis for a couple of years now. He hasn't really gotten that opportunity. Yeah, he hasn't. And now like, we can try and speculate what could be moved. I think it'd be a first-round pick, Paul Byron and... Yes, the island. In? Mm. I wouldn't like to see island move, but at one point you have to pay to get something. Yeah, exactly. Especially in a season like this where Bergerman has committed to go all in, essentially. Is Josh, like, because Josh Brook, what's his future with the team? I don't know a lot of these guys' future with the team. They've just been, a lot of them have been sitting in Laval for one, two years. Because Josh Brook played amazing at the World Juniors. He played very well. He was a solid defense for Canada a few years back. And. But now you're looking, there's Kale Fleury, there's Victor Mete, there's all these bubble guys. Yeah. Uh, where's, when's this guy going to slot in? And I think it will be interesting to know that with the expansion draft coming up this coming offseason, you know, which guys are we letting, which guy are we letting go? And does that have an effect on the roster going forward? That's true. Yeah, it was only one guy. I think it's going to be Jake Allen. Well, it is gonna be, you think it's going to be Jake Allen? Yeah. Hmm. Right? Well, I could also see it being Mete. It also depends on what other goalies are available. That's true. Right? Because look at Vegas. You get Fleury or Leonard yeah, you if you're Seattle. Allen. Yeah, that's not the worst. Uh... If you go to Columbus, but that's why I'm thinking, like, why would they want Jake Allen necessarily? I guess for that one-two tandem, but... And he's on a cheap deal. Yeah, but or you just go to Pittsburgh and you take the Smith or Jerry. Or you go to Columbus and Whatever, take Mers Lincolns so... and Corpus Or go to the Rangers and If it's not Jake Allen, it's you. Jake Evans, in my opinion. Okay. I like Jake Evans, man. I really like him. I think he's... I don't. I wouldn't want to see him. I wouldn't want yeah. to see him leave. I really take, don't. Take, let them take. Well, they wouldn't take Byron. His contract's terrible. They wouldn't take him. unless you you give them a pick like yeah, like the compensation. Like the compensation yeah. exactly. Anyway, that's interesting. 
but yeah, trade front forwards. I'm not really sure. I think there's there's three things that Hab need Habs need to make the playoffs, in my opinion, or at least would I'd Shoot, love to see. I'm, I'm curious to hear this. A top four D. I agree with that. A fourth line center who could win faceoffs. So like you're scratching Evans. Well, it's like in and out of the lineup. You're bumping him in and out. Okay. Depending on how it's going, but you need that guy that. If Dano's having an off night, he'll win faceoffs for you mm-hmm. because the Habs were horrible in Winnipeg yeah, faceoffs, especially the second game. And in the last piece is Mr. Cole Caulfield. This guy's amazing. <laughs> like, and I love what like actually a pure stud. I love what Bergevin said about him in the press conference. He said, it's like Kyle Connor. You give him one chance, it's probably in the back of your net. Mm. Well, my NHL comparison, and I think a lot of people's mm-hmm. NHL comparison, is Alex DeBrincat. Yeah, for sure. Comparison-wise, oh, yeah. Oh, you're saying like if the puck's on his stick it's in a, in the in a high-scoring chance, it's going in the back. Exactly. Yeah, but look at DeBrincat this season. I mean, he had an offseason last season, but the year before he scored 40. And everyone's talking about his size. He's mm-hmm. 5'7". He's too small, this, that, the other. And I understand why those arguments are made. But... Who cares if if you're able to score goals? You're gonna be relevant and imp- and an important player in this in this league. This is the biggest steal in Habs franchise history. Maybe, but you know what's crazy is that he went 15, great pick, but Trevor Zegers also went nine. Look, that's a different conversation, but I'm just saying, you know, that's also pretty late for a guy like Trevor Zegers. That was 2019, right? I believe so. Yeah. So right now, Cole Caulfield has. 49 points in 30 games. How many of them are goals? 28. <laughs> so he has 28 goals in 30 games. That's, that's almost not 30 normal. and 30. That's not normal. Like, that's amazing. Yeah. And look, obviously, there's Mark Bergenio said, oh, it's a different jump between NCAA and the NHL. It is, but. But he can pick any corner he yeah. wants on that net. I'm, I, but I, oh my God. I am so excited to see that guy play. He's untouchable. He has to be untouchable, right? He is, 100%. 100%. I ordered his Wisconsin jersey a couple of months ago. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Uh, Hang it in my room. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm looking at this draft. Like, why would these teams pass? Victor Soderstrom was a pick from Arizona at 11. They passed on Matthew Boldy, Cam York, and Cole. Well, like I said before, I think the major argument for for why a lot of teams passed on him was due to the fact that he's small. And he's easily bumped off the puck, but yeah. I don't think it matters. I understand when you're in the, the top five, top eight. Yeah, you don't want to risk anything. You don't want to risk it. Yeah. But once you reach, once you're out of the top 10, come on. I think out of the top 10, especially in the NHL, I can't speak for other sports, but that's when everyone is very similar, except for that gem. Yeah, it was a very deep draft. Like, look, Vinny Hainolo went 20th. He's a very good defenseman for Winnipeg, at least. But Edmonton took Philip Broberg. He had an okay um, World Juniors. Montreal obviously took Cole Caulfield. But now I'm looking at Buffalo because I want to talk a bit about Buffalo because I find them astonishing in a way that... It's brutal. It's brutal. It's really bad. They took Dylan Cousins. Good pick. I like him. Good pick. Very good. But, right, they, they could have had Trevor Zegers. I, I don't know why Zegers dropped that much. Why did Edmonton take Broberg over Zeke? Like, I know it's hard. In the moment, it's completely it's different, hard. right? And and they all have their needs and their wants and their, you know, their lists with X, X amount of players mm. they're targeting. But I don't know. I think, ugh, 
not a huge Zegers fan because of what he did to Team Canada in the World Juniors, but he's a phenomenal talent. You saw last night his goal against yeah. uh, Arizona. Yeah, him with Fed Drysdale. Yeah, that was interesting. But it's it's really cool to see these younger players start to flourish in the league. Yeah, so now we'll turn our attention. We talked a bit about the draft, talked a bit about Cole Caulfield, to just regular news around the league, mm-hmm. right? And we spoke a bit about the Sabres, and they recently fired their coach, right? It's about time. I think it was overdue, right? What's funny about that is that a lot of the players said that he was the best coach they've ever had, and including Jeff Petrie, who Ralph Kruger coached at one point or another. I don't blame Ralph Kruger. No, I don't think it's his fault. Right? He was like he was actually given this Sabres team on paper was beyond so- no, but it was. It oh, was oh, better to than start the season. Yes, I agree. Yeah, at the start of the season, it was better than the past few seasons. They have Taylor Hall, right? They had they they brought in they brought in Eric Stahl. Like they brought in some key pieces that mm-hmm. could have actually made a difference. But there's just that mentality in Buffalo, that losing mentality. And I just, I believe, like I'm not an expert, but it has to come from ownership. Because how many GMs, how many coaches have they just gone through? Yeah. And they don't realize that that's not the issue. Yeah, for sure. They have to stay out of it. Jason Botterill, their previous GM, who signed Jeff Skinner to that contract, it wasn't him. It, it came out, I think he said it after. Ownership forced him. Because... Wow, it's the first time we have a score like this in Buffalo. Keep him here. But what a horrible contract that is. They just keep the wrong pieces instead of surrounding Jack Eichel with the right ones. And that guy, do you rebuild with or without Jack Eichel? With. Unless he asks out, obviously. Yeah, with. with. I think healthy... Look, it's, it's a little different now. Like, there's so many players on the upper, like on the rise in this league. Is, oh, for Buffalo. Are you saying Buffalo or in the regular? I'm just league? saying. I'm just saying in the NHL. Because Buffalo, like, no, no, no. I'm I'm just saying that like I'm comparing Jack Eichel to other players in the oh. NHL, and I'm just saying I think I think healthy is a top ten talent. Hundred percent. So, like, you have to build build it with him unless he asks. Well, if I was out. him, I'd ask out. Oh yeah, and a lot of people would ask. Just out like out a Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly finally asked out, goes to win a cup because he was he was sick of playing the game he loved, mm-hmm. and then he goes and he wins, and. Now you're looking at the Sabres and you're like, okay, they have Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestat. Oh, God. But they don't use him properly. Yeah, but he's also, I don't know how, I think he's going to be just a regular winger. Which is sad because the way, where he was drafted, and I hope I don't get, you know, backlash for this comment, but where he was drafted and why he was drafted is very similar to the reason Zegris was drafted. They were both drafted mid, Mm -hmm. and they're both drafted to be like a really skilled playmaker. He has a crazy shot. Yeah, he has a crazy shot too. So I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little sad because I think, I wonder if Middlestat were to go anywhere else, how that would turn out. He didn't even do a pull-up at the oh, combine. Yeah. Didn't even do one. But whatever. If you could put the puck in the net, you could put the puck in the net, right? But Look, yeah. it's just, it's sad to see such to see a team that finally got Look, they were horrible for I don't know how long. I think my whole childhood they've been horrible, right? Our whole, our yeah, whole childhood. Yeah, but it's it's horrible. really funny because I've seen like over the past, I'd say three four years, they've always started the season really hot. They're at the top of their division, top of their division. Ten fifteen games in, collapse, major collapse. 
I just don't know where the problem stems from. Now, I, I look at their lineup, lines one to four. It's ownership. I losing think, mentality. Yeah. I think the GM has to go. He just can't. That's what, that's what I'm saying. They're going through GMs like it's, GMs, like it's coaches, nothing. GMs, coaches, Make a decision because now you have Jack Eichel, who to me is a first overall pick in any other, in well, Jack yeah, Eichel's if he, draft. If it's not McDavid, you're getting, you're getting Jack Eichel first. Sorry, not, I said Jack Eichel. Sorry, not Jack Eichel. In, oh. in, um, yeah, Jack Eichel, he'd be a first overall pick in, yeah, if he in Jack Hughes' draft. Oh, absolutely. In Nico Heischer. In any other draft. Bro, he... Um, McDavid went first, and then it was Eichel. Like, there's, <laughs> and now what they're gonna get another top three pick, right? Because they're they're horrible. And what what's the bound? Like this guy, as of right, he was drafted in 2015. He's supposed to be in the playoffs. It's 2021. <laughs> what are you supposed to do, with this guy? If I'm him, I'm asking. I'm asking out. But he, did did he also didn't he He's sign so an extension? Good. Yeah, but they gave him $10 million while he was injured. I would sign that contract, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, I don't don't necessarily disagree, but if he's really upset with the situation, I mean, yeah, you can't turn down that contract. No, no one, yeah, but no one's not going to take Jack Eichel if they can. I think he's going to be a Ranger in the near future. That'll be interesting because I think he's the type of guy that literally any team he's on, he's making a difference. But that's why it doesn't make any sense. You look at Jack Eichel's stats... Right, I'm just gonna pull that up just so I don't butcher anything. But everyone thought that him being joined by Taylor Hall on the wing, they were gonna have an incredible season. You know, complemented by Olafson, Reinhardt. You can add in Middlestaff, but he hasn't really got a serious chance. I think yeah. they had three or four combined goals all season. Taylor Hall, man, I don't know. I think he's gonna be traded at the deadline. They would, they should ship. As many guys as they could. But here's the problem with me, right? 78 points in 68 games for Eichel last year. Very good season. Very good. Very good season. Very good. Then this year, he looks like a completely different player. And they added Hall on his wing. That's what doesn't make sense to me. I'm telling That's you. That's where he, it's a management problem, if right? If he goes to another team, he's putting up 100 points. He is putting, well, 100%. He put up 80, before the 78 and 68, he put up 82 and 77. There's that mentality. How would you want to go to practice every day knowing your team reeks? Like, they suck. Like, I, at one point, it's like, oh, I feel bad for Sabres fan, but it's been so long. I mean, I feel bad for the fans. Yeah, I, I feel, I, feel I don't feel bad for, you know, again, like we said, it's not the team's fault. It's, it's pure management. Pure it's management just, of this team. Yeah, it's horrible. It's horrible. Look, Rasmus Dahlin, incredible talent. They're making him to look like a subpar defenseman. How long has Ristolainen asked for a trade? Every year he asks for one, and no one. Those are the guys you move, mm-hmm. not the not. I know Ryan O'Reilly wanted to leave, but those are the guys you have to make happy. Not Ristolainen happy. You make O'Reilly happy. Whatever. We're not gonna worry too much about the Buffalo Sabers. They're not even in the North Division. They're they're gonna be picking in the lottery for the next few years again. Well, with Taylor go... Hall on your team, you're you're locking up a number one overall pick, right? <laughs> well, unless they trade him, maybe that's why they keep them. I wonder. I wonder what can happen with him because they they were not closing the doors on a possible trade and we talked about this before we started recording but i think he can be a interesting i don't i don't know what kind of player hall is anymore if i'm being honest i don't know he won the heart then disappeared probably mainly because of injuries but you don't really know but if you went to a team like the islanders who just lost anders lee 
slot him in on that top line with Barzell and uh, Eberly. Yeah, the Islanders I mean, are missing that one piece. Yeah, they are. Well, it's it's unfortunate. Well, even with Anders Lee, they were still missing that top winger. Yeah, exactly. But yeah. now they lost him, and it's so unfortunate. But I still think he can be an interesting suitor. But then again, like, I think he screwed himself over. Taylor Hall? One-year contract. What is it, 7 or $8 million? Eight, $8 million. $8 million. He bet on himself. He did bet on himself. But for, like, he should have just locked up money and called it a day. But now it's going to be interesting. Like, what happens next year if he does? Like, what's his contract going to look like? Five million. Yeah, I don't see anything. The more cap's than that. not moving for the next four years, so. But it's it's not my issue. He made a decision. He unless he turns it around, which I highly doubt. But teams are going to take him. Why not have him in your top six? Why not? But we'll see what happens. So we're reaching the end of the episode. We'll go back to the Habs. We're going to be on a rant on Buffalo, which I'm sure a lot of people are doing. But the Habs play tonight. At the Bell Center against Vancouver, Jake Allen, Thatcher Demko both starting. Your bold prediction? Mm. It's tough. Yeah, this so much inconsistency. But do you have do you have one in mind? Because I I might need a couple minutes. I have. I have. Um, the Tatar Dano Gallagher line getting four points. Wow. Holy cow. Okay, so this is my bold prediction. Well, like in total. Yeah, okay, I understand. So like if Gallagher gets a goal and the other two get one one of them gets two assists, one of them gets another. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Um my bold prediction, just because I think it's been over a year now since he scored, I'm taking a Brett Kulak goal. Brett Kulak. Brett Kulak. That's very bold. And I just wanted to note this quick before we wrap things up. He played an amazing game two games ago against Winnipeg. He did. He played a really good game. Well, he was he was next to the Norris winner, <laughs> right? Can't go wrong with that. <laughs> well, we'll see what happens because now Hedman's an but absolute monster. That's my prediction. Just Brett Kulak. Brett Kulak. It's better than my prediction, if I'm being honest. It's 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 a bold one. Yeah. They're both bold. They're both bold, but I like the Kulak. <laughs> I actually like it. We'll see what happens. Hopefully. All right. Well, we'll wrap it up here. We thank you so much for tuning in once again. Hit us up on Instagram, Twitter. Send us anything you want. Uh, questions. And feel free to tweet at us with the hashtag HabsCulture, you know, mm-hmm. to get involved. During get games, talking. we're always active. So just hit us up and, uh, and we'll answer and we we'll, might include you in our podcast. There you go. Thanks for listening. Thanks, guys. We'll catch you next week.